morning, guys. Um, I hope you had a great week. I hope things are going going good for you. I hope the Lord is working in your life through whatever, you know, is coming your way, whatever trials we face in this world. Uh, we have not never been uh, promised a rose garden. So, you know, whatever happens, let God use it for his glory, whether you like it or not. Just engage, let Jesus engage through you, and let's just keep facing life as it unfolds one day at a time and uh, represent Jesus well in this world. So, so God bless you guys. Hope you're, you're doing well. Um, we're engaging in Jesus as Jesus is engaging us. And uh, we've been talking about this now for a little while. There's so many really, really, really cool engagements that we see in the Bible that Jesus has with different people. And all of them help us to understand a couple things. One, what our engagement with Jesus should look like in some way as we look at these engagements. And that that we are growing in our engagement with Jesus. That's the number one thing that has to happen as a result of us looking into the life of Jesus. How is our engagement with him going? Number two, how is his engagement going through us in the world? Like, is Jesus able then to reach the world through us? Is he using our witness and our testimony and our story and our gifts and our abilities to really, really reach the world? That that's, has to happen. And, and so we see that Jesus reached a lot of people. Today, here's the deal. Today, we're, we're going to talk about Jesus's engagement with this woman, with a woman who had an issue. This woman had an issue. And here's what this woman believed. This woman believed this, if I touch Jesus, Jesus will touch me. And she believed that with all of her heart. I mean, she just believed that if I touch Jesus, then Jesus will touch my life. And her engagement with Jesus, and we're going to kind of see as we go into this, her engagement with Jesus is full of faith, it's full of belief, and it's full of action. Action. You know, because without action, your faith and our belief is, is dead. James said, right? Without action, faith without works is dead. So, so faith or belief in Jesus Without the action, without submitting to Jesus, without coming to Jesus, without serving Jesus, without reaching the world for Jesus, if it's just faith and belief, but there's no action, it's just religion, and it's empty, and it's no good. And so we got to ask ourselves, is our faith followed by action? Is what we believe about Jesus and God and the Word of God, is it now, being built up through our life with our activity, our action, our behavior, our thinking, our processes, the way we, we handle everything about our life, does our action support our faith? So we're in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. 
This, uh, this story is also included in um, Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel. And so what we're going to do today is take a look at this story. And we're going to pull from all three gospels, this whole story. Uh, but here's what's kind of happening. Here's a, a map of Galilee. All right? Map of Galilee. And, and what's going on is that Jesus is, is going around and he's performing Lots of miracles, lots of miracles. He's telling lots of parables. If you kind of back up a couple pages in your Bible and look at some of the things that are going on. And remember, the harmony of the Gospels is, is the flow in which things happen in reality in the life of Jesus. Now, they're not always in the correct order in your scripture. Sometimes Matthew 8 fits over here in Mark 5. Okay, so so. The harmony of the Gospels is really what we want to kind of look at when we're thinking about looking at stories like this. If you're just reading through the Bible, then read the passage. But if you're wanting to dig into the Scriptures a little bit more, and you're in the Gospels and you read a story like this one, you're going to want to like get, get the book that's called Harmony of the Gospels. In fact, if, if any of you want that book, the harmony of the Gospels, and it kind of looks like this. It lines up the different accounts all about the same story, and it gives you the different passages uh, where Mark wrote, or Luke wrote, or John wrote, or uh, you know Matthew wrote, and, and it kind of lines them up, so you can kind of see the whole picture from their story. If, if three, the first three people who send me a note and say, hey, I want a, a book, I want that book, the, the harmony of the Gospels, I will, I will send you that book. Okay, you, you, you send me a note, email, text, whatever you want. You contact me and say, hey, I want a harmony of the gospel. I want to dig into the word a little more. I will send the first three people who do that free book, free book. You're going to get a free book. So here's what's going on. As we look at the harmony of the gospels, he's going around the Sea of Galilee. He's performing miracles and parables. And he's traveling around Galilee from town to town. He's, he's traveling around the outskirts of the sea. And what has happened is he just, on this side of the sea, Jesus just cast out uh, the demons from two men who were filled with demon. And remember Jesus, um, he cast them into the swine, the pigs. And um, here's my pig. Here's my demon-possessed pig. He cast them into the pigs, the swine, and the swine ran down the, 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 the hill and into the Sea of Galilee where they drowned, where they perished in the lake. They were very demonic pigs, kind of like this. This is kind of a picture of what the pigs looked like after they were demon-possessed. But what goes on here is Matthew says this. Matthew, Matthew says to the demons, because they ask Jesus to send them into those pigs. And so Jesus says, be gone. <laughs> Just like that, be gone. Be gone with you. Uh, and that's cool. Maybe, maybe your wife has said that to you if you have, are getting on her nerves. Maybe you're, you're just annoying her like I sometimes do. She just says, be gone. Be gone. Be gone. Get away. Get away. Anyhow, the result of this is the people in the area, they freak out. This, is, this has been freaky for them. I mean, Jesus just, two men who were living on the outskirts, they couldn't come into town because they were demon-possessed and they were cast out, are living in the desert or the wilderness, 
And Jesus just took the demons that were in them and put them into a, a herd of swine that probably was somebody's livelihood. You know, somebody's herd that they make money off of and live off of. And the herd is now gone. It perishes in the, in the lake. And the pigs are dead and the demons are gone. And so my guess is that people are like, Jesus, please, you know, please just, just leave the area. Please don't do any more damage to us here. And, and at first we think, well, that's kind of rough that Jesus just kind of destroyed their livelihood. But, but the bottom line is this. Jesus values people over pigs. You know, he values people over animals. We're way more important. We have been made in the image of God. Animals are not. And so it shows us the value that Jesus puts on these two men who were being tormented by these demons. So what happens next is Jesus goes back to Capernaum up at the top of Galilee where kind of he lived and hung out and chose several uh, fishermen from that area. So Jesus is kind of from Capernaum. And what happens is this. While Jesus was saying this, uh, a synagogue ruler, so Jesus is back in Capernaum, he's teaching, he's, he's doing uh, different things, and he's, he's teaching parables and stories. While he's saying one of these, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him. This is a religious synagogue, religious leader of a synagogue in one of the neighboring towns, comes to Jesus, kneels before Jesus, and he says, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and he went with him and so did his disciples. And so this sets the stage for what's about to happen with the woman. Okay, but remember, this is what is going on in the little bigger picture among all the big picture. There's this picture of Jesus is now on his way to the synagogue leader's home to put his hands on a girl because this man, which is another engagement that Jesus has, and the faith of this man is tremendous. He, he believes, you know, this is a religious leader of the day. He's supposed to be like on the other side. He's not supposed to like Jesus. But he sees the power of Jesus. He's been hearing Jesus teach. He's probably seen some miracles happen. And he believes that Jesus is able to heal his daughter. And so he invites him to come and do that. And uh, this is a man. Uh, he's a leader. He's a father. He's a parent. This is his daughter. And his daughter, we don't know how old she is, probably a small child. She has died. We don't even know how. But this man wants Jesus to come and raise her from the dead. And so as he begins to go with this synagogue leader, the woman enters the picture. Okay? And here's what happens. As Jesus begins to go with the synagogue leader, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and he saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that 
moment. Now, this is really weird because, remember, Jesus is on his way to see a synagogue leader's daughter to touch her and heal her. And in the middle of this, this little bitty engagement happens. And Matthew's, uh, Matthew's recollection of this, or his, his uh, witness account of this, is, is, is pretty brief. It isn't many verses at all. It's kind of short. But when we read about, read about it in Mark and Luke, when we take, when we take the uh, harmony of the gospel, you can see Matthew's account is a few verses, and then you see Mark's account is pretty full, and then you see Luke fills in even more. And so when you bring, bring them all together, we get a really good picture, a bigger picture, a clearer picture of actually what is happening in this account, in this engagement with this woman. And I got to tell you, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing that's about to happen. And I hope that wherever you are, whoever you are, you will be blessed beyond measure as we, as we think about this. As we think about the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, who sent his son Jesus to walk on the earth among us. And then the things he did, God in the flesh, what he did, how he treated people, how he talked to people, how he engaged with people, it is not just miraculous, but it is so moving and so motivating and so loving and so good that it should make us want to go out and be just like Jesus. It really should. We should, we should leave every time we hear about another thing Jesus did. Each week we've been talking about these things. We should walk out the door going, man, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more and more like Jesus. And that hunger and that thirst and that engagement will continue to grow. But here's what's going on. The woman, she has an issue and there's six things that are going on with her issue real quick. The first one is that she's got this issue of blood, right? So she is hemorrhaging. And this is kind of gross, right? It's very gross. I guess if you're a woman, you understand this really well. If you're a guy, we don't have a clue. But, um, but, but she's got this hemorrhaging issue going on with her body. And um, it's, it's a discharge of blood. It's, it's nasty. It's got to be gross. It's excessive blood flow, flow is what the scholars say. There's this excessive blood flow from her body. Now, that is not good. So that's one issue. The next thing is she's been suffering. She's been suffering for 12 years. 12 years she's been dealing with pain and discomfort and maybe cramping. And, and, and then on top of all that, because it's a blood issue, she has been disconnected from everyone else. She can't touch people. She can't go hang out with people. She is considered unclean. So if you saw her coming down the street, you would avoid her. You would avoid any contact with this woman. She is suffering. She's also gone to doctors, physicians, and they could do nothing. This is some kind of incurable disease that she has. And the medical physicians did not have an answer for her. Some of you can relate to this. There's things going on in people's lives and your body maybe that doctors just can't even figure out. Like you've been suffering with this issue maybe for a while and the doctors can't figure it out. Some of you can relate exactly to what this woman is going to uh, through in some, in some way. 
Here's another thing. She had spent everything she had. Every dollar, every bank account has been empty. She has probably begged and borrowed from her friends to try to get doctors to find a cure, but she now is broke. She has spent all of her earnings. Every dime she has is gone. And this thing didn't just stay the same, but another issue is it just keeps getting worse for her. It's just getting worse. It isn't getting better. The blood is getting more and worse. The pain is probably more and the discomfort more and the agony is more. There is no relief. There is no help. There is no hope. It's only getting worse, the scripture says. And Luke says, Luke says, oh, sorry. Luke says, issue of blood, suffering 12 years, doctors could do nothing, spend all our money, only got worse, and Luke says, no one, no one could make her better. Nobody could make this woman better. And I might add, so far. So far, 12 years of trying, nobody could make her better up to this moment. Now think about that, right? 12 years. No touching people, no personal contact, no hugging, no high fives, no handshakes, no real close friendships. 12 years of quarantine. Like we've been through one year of quarantine and we're ready to pull our hair out, you know, it's, we're all over it. This woman has gone through 12 years of severe quarantine where she had to stay away from people and just be by herself. No Zoom, no FaceTime, no pictures, like we all have. And so this woman, in desperation, does the only thing that she can. Here's, check it out. Mark chapter five, verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus, okay? When she heard about Jesus's miraculous ability, that Jesus was in the area, he was in town that day, maybe he'd been there before. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak. That's what she did. She is convinced of her plan. Like she has made a plan that Jesus is coming and my only hope is if I go and I touch him somehow. And so she deploys this sneak attack, right? This is a sneak attack. She's gonna come up from behind Jesus. She's gonna touch his cloak and she believes she's going to be healed. She is going to push through the crowd, making contact with people when she knows she probably shouldn't, but her only hope in ever having a chance of being healed is if she touches this person, Jesus. And she is convinced of it, and she is committed to it, and she is going to do it. That's pretty cool. Mark chapter 5, verse 28 says, because she thought in her head, she kept saying to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's what, that's what she believed. Now, we don't know, you know, we don't know what she knew about Jesus. We don't know if she ever met Jesus or ever saw Jesus before. They kind of were from the same area in Jesus' adult life. But we don't know if she knew Jesus or ever saw him before. 
But here's the thing. What she did learn about Jesus or what she did know about Jesus, she was willing to go all in and take this risk. Every chip that she had left is on the table. It is all in. Every bit of her. And it probably isn't even money anymore. I think what's all in here is her final desperate attempt. Her heart, her mind, her soul, her strength, and her will. She is all in. She is, she is going to put it all on the table and take this risk that Jesus, her last hope, can do something about her condition. And everything she is and everything she has is riding on this. Matthew, Matthew, in our harmony, Matthew says, she kept saying to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be well. Can you imagine that? I mean, she's got to muster up the courage to even go out there. To get in the crowd, to touch people, to push her way to Jesus. And I can imagine her saying to herself, if only I touch his garment, I'll be held well. I just got to touch his garment. And, and just maybe even talking herself into doing it. Like how foolish she's going to look if it doesn't work. But all she is hanging on to is the fact that it will work. That Jesus has the power to do something that nobody else could do. This is, this is tremendous faith, by the way. This is tremendous faith. After all that she has been through for 12 years, she is holding on to her faith in God that this person is the Son of God and he is who he said he was and, and that if she touches him, he has the, the miraculous power to do something about her condition. Some of you, some of you know exactly what this woman is going through, maybe in a different way. This last ditch desperation to grab on to Jesus, to grab on to God, to hold on to faith when everything else in the world says, let it go. But you're holding on. You're holding on to the one who can make a difference. And I say to you, keep holding on. Keep holding on. She kept saying to herself, and you and I must keep saying to ourselves, if I just touch his garment, I will be well. That, that's incredible faith. Luke says, Luke says she touched the fringe of his cloak and immediately the bleeding stopped. She made her way through the crowd she touches his cloak, and immediately the, ble the bleeding stops. Mark says, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. It like dried up, right? Immediately, as soon as she touched his cloak, it dries up, and she felt in her body that she was freed from the affliction. She was healed at that very, very moment. Freed from her affliction. She is a free woman. 
She just snuck in. She pushed her way through. She touched Jesus, and, and he didn't even know she was there. And she is now freed from her agony of 12 years of suffering. And she knows it in the very moment it happened. And then comes verse 30. Verse 30. There's always a verse 30. Because there is nothing that you do outside of God's awareness. He notices you. He notices your issues. He notices your needs and your wants and your cries. He knows everything about you and me. And then comes verse 30. At once, at once, she touches his garment, she gets healed, and at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd, and he asked, who touched my clothes? Now, can you just picture this? Can you just picture this whole scene? Jesus is in this crowd. This woman comes up to him and touches him. She gets healed. And Jesus notices that something happened right away. He felt power go out. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, felt power go out of his body. Someone tapped into his power source with purpose. Other people are bumping into Jesus, but nothing's happening. This woman touches Jesus with, with intention, and a surge is felt, and faith plugged in, and somebody got a jolt of a miracle. Somebody in that crowd got a jolt of a miracle and power went out of Jesus and Jesus then turns to the crowd he turns to the crowd and there's lots of people there the scripture says they're pushing in they're pressing in on him and his disciples as they're making their way remember to the synagogue leaders home when this woman touches Jesus and now Jesus turns around and he says who touched me can you, I just picture the scene. You, you, you know, this is the best we can do with a photo. <laughs> but just, just try, to, try to imagine. He's looking around. He's looking around because he knows that a miracle just happened. The disciples, the disciples are there, and they're looking around, and they're probably laughing at Jesus. Like, Jesus, are you kidding us? Are you, are you like, are you, kidding? are you joking right now? Like there's a multitude of people. They're all pressing in around us. This is like a mosh pit in the streets. Everybody's bumping into each other. What do you, what do you mean? Who touched me? Lots of people are touching us. But Jesus, he's looking around. Jesus is looking around because this touch was different. This person touched Jesus with intent. And this person's touch was packed full of faith in Jesus. And Jesus is looking around, and then he saw the woman. He saw the woman, and she's standing there, and the emotions are running crazy. They got to be. 
She's standing there and Jesus sees her and they make eye contact and she knows she is guilty. She is excited, right? She is relieved. She can't stand it. She's ready to jump for joy, but she is now exposed. Jesus noticed. She was hoping to go unnoticed. But she could not go unnoticed. And she is busted. She is, she is so busted, but she is so healed. That is the greatest mixture of emotion that you can feel. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about our engagement with Jesus. Here's the thing about our engagement with Jesus. Let's just get real for just a minute here real quick about ourselves. When it's for real, when it's for real, when your engagement with Jesus is for real, not manufactured, not coerced or manipulated, when it's for real, when it's not about duty or deeds or, or religion, when it's not about just doing certain things because the Bible says so, when it's for real, when it's for real, two things will be true. When it's for real, when your faith and your engagement with Jesus is for real, two things are true. Number one, you will know it. You will know it deep within your heart. You'll know it in your heart. And in your mind, you will just know it. And number two, Jesus will know it. See, those two things cannot be faked or phony. When it's for real, when you hunger and thirst for him, and he draws you to himself, and it's for real, you will not be able to avoid it you will not be able to hide it. You will not be able to keep it to yourself. It will no longer be just about you ever again. <laughs> it must be shared. When you get real with him and he is now real with you and you know it, it will be shared for the world to see. You can't hide it under a bushel. And God's glory will be appreciated in your testimony of your engagement with him. The world will see it. And people will be drawn to Jesus because of it. That light will shine so brightly that others will see the action and the deeds of your life for the glory of God. And they will glorify your Father in heaven. That's what will happen when it's for real. When it's for real. The scary thing is there's a lot of people going through the motions. Kind of faking it. Just doing it because this is what we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to church. This is what my parents taught me. This is what I grew up learning. And real faith isn't about somebody else's faith. It's about your toe-to-toe -to -toe experience with God. You'll know it, and he'll know it. But Jesus, 
He keeps looking around the crowd to see who had done it. He's looking around like, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? He's looking around. Now, another thought. Did Jesus know who touched him? Right? Did, did, he, did he know who touched him and he's just kind of like playing around or he's just maybe trying to get her to step forward and admit it? Or someone in the crowd to say, it was that lady right there, she did it. Or, or is this as natural as it gets? Like Jesus is honestly saying, who touched me? And he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's, he's honestly asking. The scholars, scholars will say, yes, of course, Jesus knew who touched him because they're, because of who Jesus is. He knows everything. In fact, he knew she was going to touch him before it even happened. Scholars will say that that's true. And, and that's fine. That's fine. Here's what I think. This is just me, John Nepple. This is what I think. I think, I think that Jesus maybe didn't. I, and I think it's totally cool if he didn't. I don't think it changes a thing. I think it's totally cool if he wanted her to come forward. I think it's totally cool that he didn't know. He knew power went out, but he didn't know who did it. He just, he just wants somebody to own it. He wants somebody to step up and say, I don't care about the crowd anymore. I don't care what people think anymore. I'm just going to get real with you, God. I just want to get real with Jesus. You know, that, that is really what it takes for it to be real. you got to quit caring what everyone else thinks about it. And you got to jump in. And, and, and I think it's cool that Jesus maybe didn't know. I think what this would possibly show is his, that he's fully God, right? Fully God. He felt power go out. Supernatural power went out. He's God. But then he asks the question, like, who touched me? Because maybe he didn't know because he's fully man as well. I think that's cool. Either way, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter either way. Don't get hung up on stuff like that. That's irrelevant. Always go back to this question. What do we know? Okay, we can speculate about things that aren't there. That's fine, that's cool, whatever, do it. But it's not scripture, it's just our opinion. Scholar's opinion, my opinion, your opinion, whatever. Here's what we do know. This is the question that we have to ask ourselves. What do we know? What does the Bible say? What do we know? Here's what we know. This woman had an issue. She came up behind him and she touched Jesus. We know power went out from Jesus. And we know Jesus asked the question, who touched me? That's what we do know. Here's the beautiful thing about all this. Okay, guys, here's the beautiful thing about this. If you, if you are someone who is struggling with an issue, just like this woman was, and you are in need of a miracle, or you know somebody who is struggling with some kind of personal, physical issue, and they are in need of a miracle, you are in the right place, you have come to the right person, you have come to the only one who can give you the healing that no one else can give you, and his name is Jesus. And if you'll just hold on to him, and hold on to your faith in him, you will see a miracle. When no one else can, 
Jesus can. And Jesus right now, right now, he is looking around. He's looking around at every one of us tuning in today. He's looking around just like he was in that crowd with that woman. He's looking around and he's asking the question, who, who touched me with intent? Maybe even who wants to touch me with this kind of intention and purpose? There's plenty of people standing around watching. There's always spectators. There will always be critics. There will always be religious people saying how you shouldn't do these things. Jesus is looking for the people, you and me, who are going to look to him and want more than that. And want a personal engagement with him that goes beyond explanation. Just like he did with this woman. In verse 33, then the woman knowing, the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and she told Jesus the whole truth. She told him the whole truth. She told Jesus her story. Her story. He probably already knows her story, right? But she told him her story, and Jesus listened to her story. She came clean with Jesus. She just got honest with God. That's what we do. We just got to get honest with God. And she cries out to Jesus. She humbly comes to him, and she humbles herself before him because she knows that he is the Son of God. And he is the only one that we should turn to. And he is the only one that we should bow down to the Son of God. And Jesus said to her, daughter, daughter, which is an endearing word, not slave, not servant, not woman. He says to her, daughter, that is inviting, that is endearing, and that is family. Daughter. Jesus calls her daughter. Your faith, your faith, your connection to Jesus, your belief in the Son of God. Two things have got to come together if, if faith is ever going to be real. And the first thing is this, the power of Jesus and believing in the power of Jesus. And the second thing is your connection, your surrendering to the power of Jesus. Those two things have got to come together or it is nothing. It's not enough for us to believe in the power of Jesus. It's not enough for us to have faith in the power of Jesus. We must surrender and come to the power of Jesus. We must come to him and, and honor him and humble ourselves before him. Or it's useless. If it's just faith and belief, but it's not action, it is religion and it's empty. Stop living like that. It has got to be completed by our action, our surrendering to him. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith, your connection and engagement to Jesus has healed you. 
It's not a matter of, is Jesus the Son of God? Yes, he is. It's not a matter of, does Jesus have the power to heal everyone and anyone? Yes, he does. The question isn't on Jesus' side. The question is on my side and your side. Are we willing to put our faith in him? Are we willing to plug in with Jesus and engage with Jesus like all in, 100% fully committed or not? And Jesus says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so what Jesus does is he confirms her healing. What Jesus does here is he completes her healing. And what Jesus does here is he puts his stamp of approval on her healing. This is a beautiful engagement. And here's the engagement truth of it all, and we're done, okay? Number one, number one in this engaging truth is this. The power, the power, this is the takeaway for you and me today. The power is completely in Jesus. Christ alone. It's all in Jesus. There's nobody else out there with the power. There's no other religion. There's no government. There's no politics. There's no doctor. There's no bank account. There is no one else, nothing else out there in the world with this power. It's only in Jesus Christ alone. Our hope, our salvation, our healing, our miracle is all going to happen in Jesus alone. The power isn't completely in Jesus. And number two, faith, our faith, by faith, we are connected to the power of Jesus. Faith in Christ alone. As we humbly come to him and submit to him and humble ourselves before the Lord, no ego, Nothing in and of myself that I bring that, that deserves anything or earns anything or could buy anything or has achieved some level of acceptance. Nothing. It's completely my faith and my will surrendered to Jesus. My faith and belief in him and my actions that accompany my faith that support the fact that I believe. Those two things must come together. The engaging Jesus. And the question to you and the question to me today is this. Who touched me? That's what Jesus is asking you and me today through this woman. Who touched me? Like who touched me with belief? Who touched me with faith? Who touched me with purpose and intent? Who touched me with action? Jesus is asking you today, who is all in? Are you all in or not? Not religiously. Not just in going to church or believing certain things. But are you truly all in? Is your life going to be transformed by the word of God and the son of God? That you are living lives that represent God in everything you do. Your words, your language, your thoughts, your actions, your, your, your money, your finances. All the things that are a part of your life. Do they all honor the Lord? What you put in your body, what you think, what you drink. Are you honoring God or not? Are you all in with him or not? 
Are you willing to push through the crowd and not worry about what other people think and just connect with Jesus, regardless of what the world may say or what the world is doing? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. The one, the one who touches Jesus, the one who reaches out in faith and intent and says, Jesus, I just want to I just want to touch the fringe of your cloak. The one who reaches out and touches Jesus is touched by Jesus. And to God be the glory. To God be all the glory. God bless you. Have a great week. And pray, 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 pray for, for somebody we're going to do that in our live gathering this Sunday. We are going to be praying for somebody that we know or maybe maybe ourselves that are in need of a special touch from God. So take a minute or two or three or whatever and just, if it's you, pray, God, I need a miracle. If it's a friend of yours that is in need of a miracle of some kind, pray for them. And may God bless your week. We'll see you next time.